Good morning and welcome to WNTW 820 AM and our new flagship FM station, 92.7. This is GrowthWorks Media. Um, I am your host, William Eastman. I'm managing partner for GrowthWorks Media. I'm also working as a fractional executive. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But right now, what I'd like you to do is to tune in and join the conversation so you've got some options. One is you can go to our Facebook page at growth.works, W-O-R-X, that's GrowthWorks. And you can see us Facebook Live. You can go to our website, growth, uh, growthradio.biz, growthradio.biz. Uh, if you want to uh, hit me up on LinkedIn, which I'm monitoring, William Eastman, my last name. And uh, on Twitter, we're known as Owner Life, and we purposely misspelled it because we're trying to brand it, uh, and that's O-W-N-R, no E, Life, L-I-F-E. The show is Solutions on Demand, and if you want to join the conversation, 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. And today's show is we start season uh, four, and it's going to be pretty interesting because I've got something new and novel I haven't heard, I haven't seen, and I haven't tried. So that's what's going to make it fun. This is show number 4.1, uh, season four, show one. So let me kind of, before I get rolling here, let me introduce our studio engineer, uh, my partner, I wouldn't say in crime because we haven't done anything illegal yet, but uh, certainly. I like how you said yet. Yet. The, well, the you morning know, is still young. I haven't had my first coffee yet. Well, you never can tell how we write the rules in this country that uh, there's a lot of behaviors that are illegal that are not necessarily immoral. So, so how are you doing, Asher? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Doing great. Hey, thanks for the the new mic here. Yes, it sounds really good. So I'm excited about that. I'm a, I'm a geek. I'm becoming one. Oh yeah, I like some of the equipment you were putting together. Talk a little bit about where you're going uh, with some of the audio visual. Ah, uh, <clears throat> put me on the spot there, and you don't didn't give me the the one minute to, to get oh, out okay. like you did last week. Let me think. Um, I th- what I want to do is you know have a better visual element to the audio. You want really high quality audio, really high quality video, and you can take those and you can distribute them to um, you know whichever medium you want to. You can strip the audio from the video and you know use it purely for radio or podcasting, or you can use the video and you can put on on places like Facebook Live where you are and you're looking sharp there on camera. I'm looking at it. Oh, hey, thanks. And, I hate looking at myself, but that's why I'm not looking at it. So, yeah, I'd like to add more of a visual element. So that's uh, kind of a, a work in progress and also want uh, portability of, of all the equipment so so you don't have to necessarily be in a studio. Okay. Yeah, you, sh- you showed me some impressive stuff, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, that deployed here at the station or other places. Tip of the iceberg. Tip, Tip of the iceberg. iceberg. Okay. Well, thanks for being here. And uh, uh, Tracy will be back next week, I guess. Or, in fact, yeah. she's got to be in tomorrow with Brother Craig. Yes, and I'm super excited. We've missed her terribly. I know you have. You've been had to work the panel for the last two weeks. <laughs> okay, well, all right. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, what our format here is for the GrowthWorks Media Channel and our show, uh, Solutions on Demand. I'll take you through seasons one through three and what we've got planned for season four. Now, if you're a regular listener, you kind of know all this stuff. But if you're new, let me, let me get you up to speed. Uh, our, our format here is basically we view radio as training and consulting and coaching. In other words, you can hire us, and certainly we would uh, honor that agreement. But the deal is, what if you could get 53 minutes of information, knowledge, tools that you could use to grow your company? Uh, That may be a good use of an hour. And the reason that we pick radio over any other medium is uh, with television, it requires your eyes to be working, and therefore, uh, you can't work. 
radio. It's in the background. You can do a day's worth of work and pay, and still pay attention at the same time. So that's why I'm a huge fan of radio, and I think this really works out because uh, you can use our show, um, you know, basically to take a podcast of it, which we do every day, uh, every week, and you can use this as a as a training medium with some of your employees. And so, 2018, what we focused in on was growth, um, and then we took each season, each business quarter, which was a season, we took one element of our approach to business. So um, season one, which took us through the end of March, our focus here was stop leaving money on the table. Everybody knew that we were going to have high growth in the economy. Uh, There was going to be money available that had not been available to a lot of small business owners for a long time. And then suddenly, how do you make sure that you don't leave anything on the table? Sweep it all off. And so our focus was on revenue and not necessarily getting more clients. It was focused on getting better margin clients. In season two, which uh, started in April and ended in June, our focus was totally different on the other side of the equation, uh, whether you want to call it cost to profitability, but it's it's the, the theme of the show was it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And the, the idea here was pretty simple is that if you can't get your margins up, increasing revenue, increasing sales is really not going to be that helpful because it's still not that good of money. What you want to do is you want to bring in dollars as unencumbered as you possibly can. Um, and every place that I've been, and I worked a number of years doing business turnarounds, one of the lessons I learned was if you go after revenue first, you probably won't fix the business. Uh, the problems are not typically revenue problems. They're cost issues. You don't have anything under control. So our focus was get your cost under control, increase your margins, raise your profitability. Two sides of, of um, different sides of the same coin. Season three, which we finished last Friday, the focus there was winning the talent war. That was our theme. And the whole idea here was um, with the growth of the economy, the labor market's incredibly tight, and the really good companies seem to be winning the battle. Nobody has a nursery out back where they're grown employees. They're competing in the same market you are, and if they, if you don't have great employees, guarantee you that they're someplace they're just not working for you. So how do I look at this grow my own, whether it's grow my own technicians or laborers, grow my own supervisors, grow my own managers, but how do I build a process that I can – have the talent because if I increase sales and I need greater production, I, I need somebody's got to do the work. I'm assuming as the business owner, uh, you're not doing everything yourself, which now gets us to season four because this is probably the principal issue that I deal with day in and day out in my role as a fractional executive or as a coach. And what I mean by a fractional executive is um, I gave up doing turnarounds because, uh, quite frankly, turnarounds were just a little bit too demanding in terms of uh, all the pressures on you and you don't necessarily have all the power. And so fractional executive is companies hire me to come in and fix a particular part of the company. Only I take that piece over. I run it. I fix it. I build it, whatever is required. I train somebody else and then I'm out. And typically it's a three month engagement in and out. And the, the business owner has something running that wasn't running before that they really needed to either increase revenue, decrease cost, or help them on their um, personnel side. But one of the things I've always uh, I marveled at is the challenges that business owners have about getting out of their own way. And so the focus of season four is an interesting perspective that I call owner as executive. Most owners see themselves as glorified technicians, 
glorified supervisors, and maybe, maybe they pulled themselves up the cone enough that they are now glorified managers. But to really grow the company into whatever it is that you want to create, you need to start thinking more and more like an executive in a major billion-dollar firm. Um, and one of the things I'll say to you is that a lot of business owners go, well, you know what, if I wanted to be like them, I would have gone into big business and I would have done that, and that's why I'm here running my own business. Um, and I understand that. I completely get it because there's a lot of things that large corporations do that you do not want to copy. But to think that they don't do some things well is also uh, pretty stupid. And so one of the things that I learned from 25 years of working in large corporate consulting is how do the top executives think and work because everything is on them and they're in a system where they cannot manage people day to day. They really have to be results-based. They have to be focused on planning. They have to be focused on their decision process. How do they make decisions? And then how do they measure and track that? And it's really a different mindset. And one of the things that I've learned is that if I can help business owners change their mindset, the things that we did in seasons one, two, and three are relatively simple. If they don't, then, and all the listeners, all my ongoing listeners know that I've used this term a lot, and that is that all small businesses are idiosyncratic, and what that means is they all take on the personality characteristics of the owner, and if they do that, um, and what happens is that they grow to the level of the owner's competence, and then suddenly the owner can't get the company any larger because, for the most part, they are the obstacle to the growth in the firm. And so that's where we've had the, that's where we thought we would take season 13 and improve the company and help the business owner. And we're going to do this by creating an interactive book. Um, and what I mean by interactive book is a, um, I would publish a chapter, discuss the chapter, have you build, um, download the chapter. Yeah, it looks like we're having just a tad of mic problems. We got it. And so here's the premise. It's an interactive uh, radio show with the book. Rather than doing training, what I'm doing is I'm doing the book here. And so the way that's going to work is that if you go to our website, growthradio.biz, growthradio.biz, and if you go there, uh, what you'll find on the top um, navigation bar, you'll find home about solutions by radio, podcast, let's talk, owner life, etc. Go to Owner Life and click that. And that will take you to our blog site. And, da, 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 da. and then when you go there, what you'll see is a number of images. We've set it up like kind of like a magazine. And if you go to the very first one that says On the Air, which is our website, which is today's show, if you click that, what you'll see is the notes. And what we're going to do is every show I'm going to post the notes, I'm going to talk through it, and then there's going to be an exercise at the end that you can download, in fact, if you have some interest in doing that. But the sole goal that we have is to transfer what we know uh, to you. So let me go to, as you've opened that, and you open up the first one, and it'll click over and say Season 4, the book, Owner as Executive. Let me now tell you what is here, okay? Uh, The story I'm going to tell you today and I'm going to tell you for 13 weeks through the the end of this year, is not a story about a prescription. It is really much more of a a tome or, or a theme about how do you look at your perspective on the business 
And how do you change your mindset about what your role is in the company and what basically the role the company has in your life? Um, I've spent over 30 years working uh, with executives and owners. And so part of that was a large corporations, part of that small businesses. Some of the businesses I've worked with uh, were around $200,000, $250,000. Large corporations where I was doing executive work, uh, fifty around $50 billion. And so it's, it's quite a range. Um, I'm not going to offer you a right solution because the, the problem isn't in the prescription solution. The problem is in the outlook because if your outlook, your perspective is correct, then perhaps uh, you'll arrive at a better answer than I will because um, each one of us bring that to the feast. Okay? So it's really about how you perceive your role. If you can't, if you can't grow beyond yourself, then the business will only be as successful as you are. And, I, and let me give you a metric here. Uh, this is interesting, is that if you look at the total population of any country, and we'll take the United States, only about 5% of the people in this country are small business owners or entrepreneurs. Only 5%. All right, so that kind of brings it down. There are about 28 million small business, businesses, period, in the United States. You can't really use that as the number because some of those are partnerships and they're multiple players, and et cetera. But let's just go with 5% of the population are entrepreneurs. Of that, when we looked at the performance of small businesses, um, and what we found was that only about 5% of the small businesses actually become dominant players where they own the markets they're in, they have an incredible return um, to the business owner and obviously creates wealth for the family. And our mission as a business is to create wealth for the owner and so that the owner can grow the company and create jobs. So that's really where we're at. But if you take 5% times 5%, that's 0. .0025. And so what we're saying here is that if you think about it, your chances of if you don't focus on what your role is and don't have the ability to grow beyond yourself, your chances of being a dominant player in your market and becoming what it is that you want to become is someplace between 2 and 3 tenths of a percent if you're going to totally rely upon your own characteristics as a leader. Now, there are people out there who have made it. They're just naturals. I work with them in the military. I worked with them in the private sector, public sector, et cetera. But you don't want to be somebody who's dependent upon being one of these miracle people. In fact, what you want to do is be somebody who actually can grow and learn and run the company. So that's what we've got planned. Now, let me take you through uh, the, the season and what we're going to do here. So, Today, what we're going to do is, what do you need to know? What's the end game? And I'm going to reference a article, series of articles that I'm writing right now on LinkedIn called The Self-Managing Organization. So if you go to LinkedIn and look for me, William Eastman, and look for the articles, I've got two articles up. I'm going to put the third one up today as kind of a follow-on to this. But the idea behind this is, what if you built an organization that could somewhat self-manage? And that's an interesting proposition. Now, I'm not saying that you just abdicate, you never show up. But imagine a company that basically is running and humming on the things that ought to be doing, and it's taking minimal effort from you and maybe even the management team to keep it on track and keep it running. And if you've read anything, if you're on LinkedIn and you read anything by uh, Richard Branson, this is one of the themes that Richard Branson has. So chapter one today, the self-managing organization. Number two is who are you? And that's going to be next week's show. And I'm going to have a survey ready for you for you to take to find out what are the strengths and weaknesses that you bring to the feast as a small business owner and entrepreneur because um, intuitively 
we know what we're good at and what we're not good at. We really do. However, I want to I want to make that more conscious. Um, and if you go back, I think it was show uh, uh, show eleven in season three, and we talked about this issue of situational leadership, and we talked about competence and consciousness uh, as a way of looking at ability and willingness. Um, this is this is a great tag on to that presentation. Our third show is a, a direct ripoff, and I'll freely admit that, of Peter Drucker. Our third show is going to be called Know Thy Time. Um, I'm a, I came across the effective executive more years back than I, I care to tell you. And one of the things that struck me is that is that he, his whole focus was how how do executives become effective within their own organizations when the demand is self-discipline. Uh, because if you're senior in your organization, here's a guarantee, there's nobody really telling you what to do except if you don't perform for what you're responsible for, you're not going to be there long. And as a business owner, it's exactly the same world. You, know, you can do whatever you want every day. You can you know, uh, listen to customer demands and deal with that, deal with employee demands, or you can take the day off. I mean, nobody, nobody's going to hold you accountable except when it hits the fan and things that didn't get done. So part of this is it's the self-discipline of understanding the tyranny, as we call it, of the schedule. Show four talks about the clarity of your end game. Where is it that you're trying to take your business? Because if you're not clear on this, it is really, really, really difficult uh, to leave the business. Only about 20% of the business owners who sell, this is from a couple of my uh, colleagues here in the greater Richmond area who are in the business broker business, uh, who are in the business brokering business. Uh, I need to rethink how I'm going to say that. Uh, what they find is that only about 20% of the people are somewhat satisfied with the sale price. And the reason for it is they don't understand how the company is being valued. And therefore the investments that they've made over the years, some of those add up and some of those provide absolutely no value. And so how do you want to get out and how is the business valued is absolutely critical uh, for you to have a long-term plan because that's where we're going. Now, show five in five weeks, uh, I'm going to have a little fun here and I'm going to do, I'm not going to, I'm going to say I'm going to do theory, but I'm going to do the rogues gallery of thought leaders, the people that uh, I kind of look to uh, for information because they're pioneers and what they talk about is absolutely true. And I'm going to hit on a couple. I've got some on the website that you can see, but basically I'm going to, I may change that. And that's one of the beauties of this. We're going to build a book every week as we talk. And so this week you can see the outline, basically the table of contents. Next week you'll get the next chapter, et cetera, et cetera. That takes care of uh, section one. Section two is, okay, what did I need to know now? What do I need to do? So chapter six, our sixth show is going to be talking about the 20-year plan, which, by the way, we started that two shows back, and that is um, when and how do I plan to depart? What is going to be the date, kind of the date? You don't have a, an absolute date on the calendar, but I, I make a decision that between 2020 and 2022, I'm out of here, okay? How do I maximize the, that, the value of the business and then I build an operational plan. And notice I'm not calling it a business plan because I think the business plan is for most entrepreneurs is just, or business owners, is seems like a big waste of time. And to some degree it is because of why you're writing it. 
you're writing it for your banker, you're writing it for anybody who is invested in the company, but it typically is not an operational plan. What I'm talking about is something that you carry with you all the time, whether it's an app on your phone, you got it on a pad of paper, it's on your computer, doesn't matter where it is, but you're looking at it every single day to say, this is what we've got to get done today. Then chapter seven, or week seven, is write your position description first. I don't care whether you have a position description for yourself in your company uh, that exists right now today. Here's the deal. You're going to write a new one. And the idea behind writing a new one is what do you want to do and what do you do best? Because this is where business owners get themselves killed, is that they try to do things they're not very good at. They try to do things they don't want to do, which means they don't do it. And then what happens is that, and you also have the issue of lack of um, unwillingness to surrender control, but we'll talk about that. And the next part of it is how do I build around myself? How do I bring in people who are good at what I'm not good at or want to do what I don't want to do? And how do we build a team around that? Week eight is that we're going to take that a step further. And chapter eight, week eight is going to be called build it around you and organizational chart core functions We'll take you through the process that we have done with billion-dollar firms and made it very successful. And the plug I'll make for this is that the last place I did that, uh, this, this company never had its act together till probably March of the of the calendar of fiscal year they operated in, and then they struggled to meet their targets or objectives by the end of the year. And you can understand why. If you're not you don't have your act together in March, you have 12 months of performance to get in in nine months. We went to work with them. And in December, the year prior, uh, we put everything together and they started the year, a 12-month plan with 12 months. And by May, they made most of their numbers. And that had nothing to do with any brilliance by us. It had everything to do with focusing the organization. So that's where we'll go. Um, Chapter 9 is that we'll, week 9, we'll finish up the uh, plan and that'll say, okay, here's how you put it together. Uh, week 10, chapter 10 is going to be about margin, profit, and wealth, and a conversation that we're going to have about what is the order that you should be looking at the business financially, margin, profit, wealth. And we're going to be talking about profit, not revenue. And then we're going to be talking about expanding the capacity of your business through the improvement of quality. That takes us to week 11, and we're going to be talking about sales equals capacity. And the whole focus here is that How do I make sure that if I have X amount of capacity in my business, in other words, if everything was running right, we could make about, uh, just pick a number, two million, and yet we're only making a million and a half. How do we close the gap between the two? And then chapter 12, um, week 12 is going to be, have you ever considered an employee buyout? And we're going to spend some time on how to put together an ESOP, an employee stock option plan. Um, as one of the natural ways of moving out of the business. And then I'll finish up with Chapter 13 when I come back from the break. So if you want to take a look at this, growthradio.biz, go to Owner Life and take a look at it, and the script is there, and I will see you in three minutes.
And we're back. This is WNTW 820 AM and 92.7 FM out of Chester, Virginia, servicing the greater Richmond area. I'm William Eastman, your host. I am managing partner for GrowthWorks Media. And the show's name is Solutions on Demand. And the reason we call it Solutions on Demand is that uh, instead of just being a radio talk show, a business radio talk show, by the way, the number one radio talk business show in Richmond, but it's really more of a consulting, training, and coaching session for business owners and their, their management and leadership teams. And where we left ourselves off before the break is we were talking about we're going to do something radically different this season, and that is we, uh, we've written a book, and we're going to make the book interactive uh, with the radio show. And so as you download every week, you download a chapter, you'll have the complete book, 13 chapters worth, um, I believe on the 29th or 28th of December, which is going to be our last show of the season. All right, so now let me pick it up here by starting with, how do you interact with us? Well, one is I'm currently on Twitter, so you can get me at Twitter, and that's Owner Life, and it's misspelled on purpose. It's O-W-N-R-L-I-F-E. You can uh, interact with me on LinkedIn, which is at William Eastman. You can be on Facebook, which is at GrowthWorks, which is Growth dot W-O-R-X, um, or the easiest methodology is the dial-in, 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. All right, so where I left this off is I took you through uh, the first 12 chapters. The 13th chapter is going to be totally focused on how can we help you grow your company. And so it's going to be a composite of everything we did for the season, and where can you get those tools and templates? All right, so now now that I rolled that out, what I had promised you was that what we would be doing is talking about um, yeah, too many screens open here, the end game in the self-managing organization. And so what do I mean by self-managing organization? Well, if you go to our LinkedIn page, okay, and um, – you'll find that I wrote two articles on this particular topic. And one of the ideas behind this was, if you look at what's been said in the literature um, and what has been applied, is that there are some models that kind of suggest how this works. And so one of the things to talk about is how critical building organizational metrics that you can scale the company off of. Because ultimately, as a business owner, and this is true about if you're running a $200,000 business or you're running a $20 billion business is that you have to have some way of understanding performance over time, some way of tracking uh, that will tell you how well the company is doing because you really can't wait for results. You really can't get to the point where you're going, okay, I'm going to wait till we get results from this uh, because it could be too late. It could be too late for, for you to fix what is wrong with the business. And so what I prepared for you is a, a um, module uh, that is, I, I'm calling it my management module, but basically what it does is it breaks the organization down into a number of different facets and says, okay, let me, let me take a look at it, at the company to say, what are the basics that I have to put into place? So let me start with that list. And uh, I will have this available to anybody, either number one, who calls, 804-454-1366, or goes to the website, 
growthradio.biz, growthradio.biz, and goes to the website and simply signs in. And we have a, we have a place there where you can give us email address. I'm not going to give it to anybody. I'm not going to send you a newsletter. I ain't going to do any of that. I'm simply going to go, if you put your name in there, I know you're listening. And in return for listening, I'm going to send you this module we've got on measurement, which I think is one of the more invaluable pieces we have and is proprietary technology. We've developed it ourselves. Now, I talked about balanced scorecard in one of the other seasons, probably season two, when we're talking about cost. So let me hit that back. Um, Basically, our formula for measurement is customers plus production plus talent equals money, equals uh, finances. And so if you have if you have good customers who are buying what you're selling and you've got people to make it, then you should be doing fairly well if you've got your processes under control. And so what we talk about here is what do we measure in customers? Well, what we're looking at, the goal with customers is customer enthusiasm. We want our customers to brag about us because everybody knows the power of word of mouth. I mean, marketing is effective, advertising is effective. It really helps your branding to do that. But fundamentally, um, nothing beats having somebody raving. And in fact, I was part of a service book called Raving Fans about 20 years ago where we talked about having people that are raving about you. So the goal here is enthusiastic customers. And what are we going to measure? We're going to measure three things, marketing, sales, and service. Okay. Number two is we're going to look at production. Now, when you, you hear production, don't think that you have to be in manufacturing. I don't care if you make things or you provide services. It's all the same thing. Somebody has got to produce something of value. Uh, otherwise, how are you going to get any money out of it? And so your goal here is to be the lowest cost producer, uh, regardless of whatever it is that you make, you want to be the lowest cost. Now, hear me. I'm not saying lowest price. That is a branding and strategy decision. Lowest cost means that you do it for less than anybody else. And then you can decide whether or not you want to under underprice your competitors with this, you know, basically have a good margin and undercut them uh, and force them to come down and ruin their margins. Or you want to stay and you want to charge on the high end. I mean, it's kind of up to you. But your goal here is you want to make it better for less than anybody else. And the three things here that we're going to measure is scheduling, efficiency, and waste. Those are the three things that make it up. Now on talent, the third one, what we're looking for here is discretionary performance. Now, what do I mean by discretionary performance? Well, this takes me way back to my entry into this business in the 1970s. Um, yeah, believe it or not. Well, I guess if you look in uh, Facebook Live, you do believe it. Um, and uh, there was this guy, Daniel Yankovic. Uh, I need to get better at my Russian. But he had been doing this study, and he ran it through the 90s, and it kind of went away. And it was called Putting the Work Ethic Back to Work. And the question that he asked was interesting. You know, some, some of the people in, in this industry are not really smart. He's one of the guys that's pretty bright because he asked a simple question that has incredible implications. And here's the question. How hard do you have to work to keep your job? Now, if you think about that for a second, um, pretty simple question. What was he really asking? What he was really asking is where are the performance standards and expectations set in most organizations? Now, what was revealing is the, uh, is the average number in the United States ranged between 25 and 30%. So what that what people were saying is I could come in and cruise at a quarter of what I got 
and I can keep my job and nobody's going to yell at me. In fact, I may actually get a pay raise and promote it. So think about that. All of that stuff, up to 25 or 30%, is what you would call required performance. Anything over that is discretionary. In other words, it's totally up to Asher or myself or Tracy or one of your employees on whether they're going to give you any more than they have to give you to keep their jobs. And so how do I tap into that? How do I get people to work harder than they have to work to keep their jobs, to stay out of trouble, or when they look at their paychecks? Because it's a choice that people make. And so how do I do that? And the three factors that we're going to look at, that we look at, is leadership, teamwork, and skill mastery are the three things that we're going to measure here. And then finally, on financial results, the money, we're going to look at earnings, revenue, and net investment. Now, let me, and, and let me just talk about this a little bit, is that the reason that it's last and not first is that the financial performance of the company is an effect. Customers, production, and talent are causes. If you're going to go after making more money, you can't get there by going after making more money. You've got to go after that by bringing in more, better customers, building more and better products, having hiring and retaining better people is how you're going to get that performance. So we look at what the revenue of the company, what revenue has it produced? What earnings do we get out of that? Okay, so you, now you're into the area of profitability. And then the last question is an interesting one, and that is how much of that do we reinvest back into the business for the next year in growth? If I can build those things early in the company, then what I have, I potentially have what I need um, to grow my business because now I have the infrastructure that's required uh, to go there. Now, the second thing that we'll talk about with that um, is, is the issue of the owner's role. And so when we talked, when we wrote the articles in the, in the LinkedIn uh, area, it used to be called Pulse. Um, I don't think they call it that anymore. But what was in that area was the, this concept of once I got that in place, how do I then work through some process to move from direct supervision um, to results? And so what we talked about here is, and I want you to conceive of this, and by the way, we've hit this in seasons one, two, and three. So this is, shouldn't be any new information for the people who are regular listeners to the show. And that is when business starts off, you, you, you have basically a hub and spoke system where the owner is the hub and the employees are the spokes. Now, if you've got five, six, seven, eight, maybe nine, ten spokes, you probably can run that. But when you start getting 10, 15 numbers like that, what happens is that it overwhelms the owner because there isn't enough time to directly supervise this. You see, when you have four or five people, the owner can stand out there and say, you do this, you do this, you do this, and they can monitor what's going on. And they can do that with their own eyes and ears and brain. But at some point, they get overwhelmed. And what happens is now decision-making in the company begins to slow down or action slows down because I'm waiting for you and you can't get to me till 10 o'clock. Well, if there's a hot object uh, that needs to be dealt with, it's not going to get dealt with for two or three hours, depending upon your start time, until you get to me. And so what the owner at some point goes, I, cannot, I, can't, I can no longer do this. And so then the focus becomes in building processes. And this is where the owner takes their brain, puts it on paper, uh, because right now they're the resident expert, and says, okay, this is how you do this, 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 this. So instead of the owner giving directions to people and saying, 
this is how you do it. They build a manual that says this is the process that we're going to use. Typically, that is accompanied with the hiring of your first level of management, which we would call supervisors. So suddenly the owner has taken themselves, and I'm, I can do this on Facebook Live, on the radio, I have to get you to visualize this. Suddenly the owner pulls themselves up one level, brings in some supervisors underneath, and what is the role of the supervisor? The role of the supervisor is to make sure the people follow the process. Now, if the processes don't work, then we fix them. That's a different conversation to have. Where's the owner now? So instead of going uh, having 10 or 12 spokes, now the owner has how many spokes? Three or four. And so suddenly the owner's kind of in this direct supervision again, and they're in their comfort zone. All right? So let's envision the company getting a little bit bigger, and then suddenly you've got, you've got too many supervisors because you've got too many functions, and then what happens is that you then move up another level and you pull it up and you bring in a level below you, uh, below you to manage the firm. And so what I mean by managing the firm is they manage the supervisors. Now, what's interesting here is that what you can now do is you can now move to a results-based system because what are the, what are the supervi- managers doing? They're making sure that the supervisors are managing uh, the process the supervisor is making sure the employees are doing the work and what is the owner doing or the CEO in this case because the managers could be de- uh, department heads, division officers, um, executive vice presidents, is that they are now managing the company by results. So think about what just happened here. In a short space of time, you went from standing out there giving orders to suddenly you're looking at the numbers coming in to say whether or not it's working. What a great place to be. And, that's, and I think that's one of the lessons that uh, business owners can get uh, from uh, corporate executives. They do not manage their managers or executive vice presidents. Those people either perform or they don't have jobs. Now, that, that could sound a little tough, but I kind of like that environment because you know what? If you get at that level, you know what the game is. You get results or you get replaced. And so if we can get the business owner to kind of think that way, then the question is, is how do I – how do I close the gap between where we are and where, where I need to be? And part of this is where we're going to go next week is part of this is where the assessment is with the, uh, with the owner. I mean, what are you good at? What are you not good at? And so by working on that, you can say, okay, what I need to do is I need to hire some people who are good at the following and then maybe not delegate, but assign those roles to them. So it's getting done. And you know, it would be a lot of fun if not only are they good at things I'm not good at, but they want to do it. All right, so that kind of gets you there. Now, the third thing we talked about in the article is this issue of, well, how I've got the processes in place, so it's kind of like I've got some direction. I've almost plotted a course, but how do I build a, a bubble around this? And this is where the power of your vision, mission, and values comes in, is that a vision statement, as we talked about in season one when we were talking about branding, a vision statement says, this is where we're taking a company. This is where we want to be in five years, 10 years. You know, it's up to you to describe. So it's kind of the, it's kind of the, uh, the, a little bit of what and a whole lot of why. Then the mission statement is, is more of a, here's the value that we provide to whom and when. So you, it's, it's a lot more what and it's what, and it's who and it's when, and it provides all that information. Now, if you think about it, what have I left off? We've done what, we've done why, we've done whom, we've done when. That leaves us with how. That's where the, the power of corporate values comes in, is that 
these operational values or operational principles, doesn't matter what you call it, the idea is you say to people, as you're doing the job, the ends don't justify the means. Now, I know in the political world that we're in right now, that is not the world that, that we see around us. But in well-run businesses, whether it's a $200,000 three-man business, three-person business, or a 1,000-employee, $10 billion business, what do they have in common? They have a set of operating principles that says it does matter how you work. It does matter how you treat each other. It does matter how you deal with customers. It does matter how you protect the financial health of the company. And so basically you say, here are the operating principles. If you stay within the boundaries, I'm cool with what you're doing. You get outside of the boundaries, and now you're su- I'm suddenly not just not cool. Now I'm suddenly a bit irate or maybe even more than that. And so that is the third thing we're talking about with the self-managing organization. If you can get those pieces in place, get them in place, measurement, a methodology of building processes and managing managers and moving from being a direct supervisor to a management by results and having a set of operating principles in the business, all of the core components, the core elements of the DNA of a self-managing, uh, self-regulating organization are in place. doesn't mean it's going to happen because there's a lot of work to do. Otherwise, uh, w- this would be one show and out. But at least what you've now built are the things needed to grow the company. Uh, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite you to join that conversation at 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. You can go to our website, growthradio.biz, and uh, drop us a line. And if you do, I will send you the measurement module. Um, you can also go over to our blog site, Owner Life, which is also where we are on Twitter. And uh, you can see the article on today's show. All right, so now what we've set up is what's required to get there. So let's talk about next week. Now that we've got the foundation, the basic elements of the DNA in place, then the question now becomes is who are you? Because this is a tall order. Because what, what happens to most supervisors, I mean most business owners, for example, why they don't delegate is it's a matter of control and trust. I'm not saying you don't trust people in the sense of a lack of integrity, but it's more of a comfortability that if I know what's going on, then I know what's going on, rather than trusting other people to do their jobs and then report back to me. And so this demands a lot from business owners. So next week what we're going to do, uh, Chapter 2 in Show 4.2, is we're going to be talking about who are you, and we're going to have an assessment. And I will have that assessment up on this weekend. And so if you go to the website, um, growthradio.biz, you will see a link to the assessment, which you can then take, and have that ready for the upcoming show. And so then what will happen is that I can talk through some of these characteristics. But, you know, understand is that if you you can't beat the house, I, I, I guess the way to close this concept out is this. Only two-tenths to three-tenths per percent of the total population of this country become successful, very successful business owners who own their markets. And I'm talking about people who got there naturally because, you know, a lot of these people did not do this because there was a lot of conscious thought. But you can get there naturally if you've got all those talents, if you want to if you want to try to beat the house on those odds. I don't like the odds. I don't like the odds of two between two and three uh, tenths of a percent 
What I'd rather have is I'd rather have odds that say I can get there 30, 40, 50% opportunity to get there. And there really is because the you know, number one is that there is a predictable growth model that, that you can use to say, if we're here, we, ha- we will have two sets of issues, normal and abnormal. Okay, So if I'm at this stage of growth, here are the things that I should be dealing with because it's just natural that we got them. So I don't, I'm not going to look at them negatively saying, oh, I got all these business problems. You're in business, you got problems. Now you can call them problems, you can call them issues. But the bottom line is some of the stuff that's happening to your business right now is normal. And it's stuff you got to fix. And when you fix it, you're going to move on to the next uh, level, the next stage of growth. But it also has some abnormal things. And the abnormal things are the, are the indicators that tell you that where perhaps there's some dysfunction in the business. What are some of the things that are holding you back that you really got to fix? And typically, they are issues that should have been resolved earlier that were not. That's number one. Or number two is that you've got some people, some uh, individuals who are cancers in the organization. And so, but what we'll do with that is say, okay, given here where you are as a business, what are you facing in terms of issues? And what type of person does it take as an owner to deal with that? And so that's what our, our assessment's going to do is to say, look, you can, you can beat the house if in fact you're growing and you're learning and you're hiring and you're surrounding yourself with people who can do the work. Uh, the other thing we're going to be talking about is is what are the traits and motives and, and all the components that make up really good entrepreneurs. And so that's where the basis is going to be, and that's what we're going to do at next week's show. So here's my invitation to you. Number one is if you want to look at some of the th- articles that we've been writing on this idea of a self-managing organization, go to our LinkedIn site. That's my LinkedIn site, William Eastman, and then take a look at uh, the last two articles I wrote. It's, it'll say part one of question mark, because I don't know how many parts are going to be in there. Uh, and it says part two of question mark. And it's the basis of the book. I'm putting ideas out there. I'm collecting from other business owners some of their thoughts on the, on the topic. Um, you can go to Owner Life, which is our blog site, and you can get there through our uh, website, growthradio.biz, growthradio.biz. Go to Owner Life, go to the blog site, and you can download basically the first edition of the book. And by the way, I'm going to consistently modify it. And so if you download it today, it may not be the same one that's there next Friday because I have written the book. But as I prepare for the show and talk about how it's going to be interactive to what we're doing, I have the right to rewrite it. And that's what I'm going to tell you is that the schedule may change a little bit. The topics may change. The chapters may change. And the idea behind that is you're going to experience and participate in the writing of a book that we're going to publish um, in January of next year, all based upon the show. Uh, The other way that you can do this is you can take a look at us at Facebook Live um, uh, on our GrowthWorks page, and I'll start uh, putting some linkages in there. We have a a talk group, um, a a private, no, no, it's not private, it's a public group in there for people that listen to the show, and I'm also going to put the materials there. So I'm going to make it basically easy for you to find what you need. Uh, so last thing to say to you is today's podcast. If you go to growthradio.biz and on the navigation, you see podcast. If you go there and let's see how fast my computer works. What you'll find is a placeholder for today's show. And so it says season four shows. And then below that, it says chapter one, the end game. And, um, 
There's nothing there yet. And so what we're going to do is once uh, we got the show done, I'm going to put it there and you can find all of season four here. So this show and every other show we do is going to be in here. If you go below that, you go to season three. You can see all 13 shows we did last season. Uh, and we'll be moving those off and putting them in archive. And then if you go to the bottom of the page, you see season one and season two podcast. And this is our playlist on SoundCloud. Okay, so let me kind of close this out. Here's the, here's really the bottom line here. I don't know how long the economy is going to hang the way it's hanging. Uh, you could probably guess if you look at the historical record is that typically the, the U.S. economy does not suffer downturns during um, election years. Now, you can say that happened in 2008, but the downturn in 2008 where we got really wop started in 2007. And so politicians typically find ways of delaying uh, the recession. And there's going to be another recession because we're never going to beat the business cycle. Uh, it's, just a, it's just normal for a capitalistic society. And the only reason that communist and socialist societies don't have one is that because they don't have an economy anyway. And so hard to have growth when, uh, or, or hard to have a recession when you don't have any growth. And so then the question is, this, this economy is going to run, either run until 2019 or maybe even 2021. If it's going to run that long, how do you make sure that you have got all the growth, number one, out of your business that you can possibly get? And then number two is that as the end is approaching, what do you do to basically damage-proof uh, your company so that in the downturn you don't get weaker and you just don't survive? you get stronger. And those are the issues that we're going to be talking about all of this season. Um, uh, hopefully you've been listening to the uh, to our show. You've been with us for the first three seasons. But this is the season that makes everything make sense. So with that, that's this is William Eastman, uh, Managing Partner for GrowthWorks. I appreciate you listening, and I can't wait to talk to you until next week. Take care. Mm-hmm.